0: Samantha Azapardi has lived a life of deception and chaos. Stealing people's identities, travelling on false passports and presenting herself as a victim of serious sexual crime.
1: She stated that she'd been subject to being sexually assaulted. She stated that she'd been raped by a New South Wales police officer.
0: She's conjured up some fantastical stories.
2: She claimed to be illiterate, but also said that she knew multiple languages, including English, French, Danish... German and even Icelandic.
0: And professionals have tried to understand what might be going on for her.
1: Perhaps she was trying to relive her childhood for some reason.
0: But has anyone heard what the real Samantha has to say? What she might really want to tell us? She's said almost
3: nothing to the police and media, and she's elusive. But for whatever reason, now Samantha wants to talk.
2: I'm listening to you completely. Just because
1: I'm not opening or replying to you doesn't mean what you have to say is not important or valued.
0: From RTE Documentary N1, I'm Nicolene Greer. And I'm Sharon Davis. This is Finding Samantha. I don't need to be saved.
3: I need to be found. Episode 3 Sam as Door open. At level 8. I'm now on my way to meet Samantha. Doors closing. Elevator going up. Samantha as a party from Campbelltown, Australia.
2: <laughs> a very boisterous and welcoming dog. Yes. That Samantha. One. Correct. Samantha, nice to meet you. <laughs> Samantha as a party, correct? <laughs> one of them.
0: <laughs> yes, here we are with Samantha as a party. Or as she says herself, nice one of them. Um, would you like some water? Oh, I'd love a glass of water. When Thank you search you. for Samantha as a party online, it's not that <laughs> uncommon a name. And amazingly, this Samantha as a party is also from Campbelltown, where Samantha, the GPO girl, went to high school and she was born at around the same time. So just on spec, I got in touch and asked her if she'd ever been confused with the fraudster
3: and did she have a story to tell? It's a classic case of identity theft.
2: Do you mind sitting here? Well, of course, just, um, yeah.
3: just a bit easier with the microphone. No problem. So we've been doing this research for... well, I've been The Samantha I'm sitting in front of, olive skinned, dark curls, warm and keen to talk, is very different to the other Samantha. But since 2015, media reports have consistently confused this woman's identity with the con artist.
2: most frustrating one for me is the high school. Media um, has reported that
0: Samantha as a party went to Mount Annan High School. But she didn't. This
2: Samantha did. Articles that reference the other Samantha party attending Manon High School. Um, That is the high school I attended, and I know for a fact that she did not attend that one because we were the foundation year. This has caused her
3: a great deal of frustration, and on a number of occasions she's contacted media outlets, including The New Yorker magazine, asking (laughs) them to get it right, but to no avail. To this day, her identity and Samantha's remain intertwined
2: there is a book. It's called The Confidence Game. Yes. Within that book, that is where it's referenced. So I contacted um, that publishing house um, and I didn't really get anywhere with that. I don't even believe I got a response. I don't know where this started, but obviously it came up in one place and and now it's just been sort of um, the ripple effect has occurred and everyone seems to be citing that.
3: Media mistakes are troubling, but something far more sinister happened for this Samantha around 2009. She got a phone call from almost 4,000 kilometres away, on the opposite side of Australia.
2: Someone had called me and they said that they were a youth worker from Western Australia and at that time um, felt like a spam call, before spam calls were quite big. She asked me for my name and then asked if I was in Western Australia, asked me few other questions around that. Um, and then she told me that there was a girl and she was potentially using my identity or my name. Um, she didn't give me too much else, but um, she did just tell me just be careful um, and left it
3: at that. Now, when you say you felt like it was kind of a spam call, what made you think that it was you know, spam or somebody, you know, having you on?
2: I think, um, again, remembering that this was the time when you don't get almost daily calls of random, you know, all sorts of things. So at that age, to receive a call like that and for someone to call you out of the blue um, and then to say someone could potentially be using your identity, it was just a very bizarre call. And at that point, I just brushed it off and said, yeah, cool, thank you.
0: Looking back on that phone call with what we now know, we think, but can't be 100% certain, that this could have been the fraudster Samantha searching for information she might later use. Would
2: you, at that
0: time, have had any social media profiles? Yep,
3: I
2: would have, yep. I would have had um, MySpace, um, the one starting with B, Bebo, or maybe Facebook as well.
3: So someone may have been able to find you as Samantha as a party, definitely, on social media somewhere,
0: definitely. Yep. Whoever was behind that strange phone call that Samantha received, it may not have been as innocent as it seemed at the time. The kind of personal details they were asking for was potentially mining for valuable information.:
4: When somebody hacks into systems, people often wonder, why, you know why do they want my, my email address? Why do they want my passport?"
0: We wanted to know more. This is cybersecurity expert, Paul
4: seedwire. That data, when it's on its own, those significant little pieces of information mightn't be very valuable. But when you put them together with other information, they become extremely valuable. If I know the transactions, for example, on your account, if I know your billing address, if I know mother's maiden name, all of these little pieces of information, little nuggets that I can use to convince someone on a phone in a bank to reset a password or that I've moved address and I want them to send a new credit card out to a new address or whatever it happens to be. That's how the Samantha's of this world operate. They're confidence tricksters. That's what they do. They trick you into into confiding in them as well. And that's what she does.
0: And then, for Samantha Azapardi from Campbelltown, the Samantha who had received that strange call, two years later, in about 2011, there was more confusion regarding her personal data.
3: So this phone call from a so-called youth worker Mm -hmm. is then followed up a couple of years later. There's another connection with Western Australia.
2: I had to call Medicare, um, which is the um, Australian healthcare system. I was trying to do something but I couldn't get into the account and I needed to verify this information. And it, with a lot of back and forth, the Medicare representative had said that my address had changed and that was the problem. I was giving my address and it wasn't, um, it, it wasn't verified. And then they pretty much advised me that it was a Western Australia based address, which again, made no sense at that point. I didn't connect them really at the time. Samantha never did find
0: out what was going on with that strange phone call, and then who was using her identity to get a Medicare card in Western Australia. And it could just be a coincidence that it was the same year that 23-year-old Samantha Azapardi had just moved to Perth, Western Australia, after her time in the Christian community in the Blue Mountains we heard about in the last episode.
3: It could also be a coincidence that it coincides with the time when Samantha committed several offences in the latter part of 2011, involving opening accounts in a
0: false name and attempting to defraud by deceit. Just to clarify, that's Samantha Azapardi, also known as Lindsay Cochran, also known as Georgia McAuliffe, also known as Dakota Johnson, and now also known in Western Australia... As Emily Shiberis.
3: If you want, you can go on Facebook and look up Emily Shiberis, self described as a gymnast ready to compete. On her Facebook page, it says Emily grew up in Geraldton, Western Australia, until the age of seven, then moved to Moscow, Russia, to study gymnastics
0: at the School of Gymnastics Leninsk Kuznetsky. This new identity, Emily, was about to make a huge impact on one Australian family's life. She appears
3: like a very real successful person, backed up by real people. She has 3,400 followers.
0: There are photos of Emily. She's a slim, young woman with blonde hair. But in all the photos, you can never see her face properly. She's in the middle of a cartwheel or a pose where her hair is in front of her face. So what Samantha was doing in creating the persona Emily Sheberis is exactly what professional fraudsters do in an online world where you can be anyone. It's all there. Photos of the Institute.
3: Yes, there is such a place. And it's produced for Olympians. Photos of gymnasts
0: in flight. Followers. Comments. You name it. Which comments are real and which are fake? Are they all fake? We will probably never know. But... Emily is, in fact, Samantha. What was Samantha up to now? Well, quite a lot, actually. Samantha spent much of
3: 2011 and 2012 in Western Australia, trying out the identity she was creating, telling some tall tales, and running into trouble with the police and the courts.
0: Former police prosecutor Kevin Harrison was working in a Perth, Western Australia court when Samantha's file was handed to him.
1: It was back in March 2012. He's speaking with Sharon. I was given the paperwork and when I read the paperwork in relation to the facts involving Samantha, I was extremely intrigued when her name was called and she entered into the dock. She had the usual finger in the mouth, which I've seen her display in, in photographs and that. She had no expression, she was expressionless. She was silent, her defence lawyer spoke for her. And when I looked at her, I thought, is this person in the right court or should this person be in the children's court? She looked so very young. Did she have any
3: eye contact with either you or the magistrate or anyone else in the court?
1: No, she didn't. She looked, she didn't even look at her solicitor. She just sort of looked um, and she moved ahead slightly at times to look around. She just sort of looked around. Aimlessly, but didn't direct her attention to anyone in particular. She never spoke at all. What intrigued me was that I dealt with um, fraudsters before and people committing these um, type of offences, where you could obviously see that there was a pot of gold at the end of the line, or that they'd achieved some financial gain. But I was trying to determine what the gain was that Samantha had in mind? What was she hoping to achieve? I mean, this was a, a woman that was 10 years older than the person she was portraying to be, going back, wanting to go back to school. I mean, most kids, you can't get them to go to school, let alone go back twice.
3: What was she actually in front of the court for?
1: What offences had she committed? Opening false bank accounts, um, false birth certificates, I mean, she had so many aliases prior to this offending and she just continued to open bank accounts. I think there were three uh, charges of opening bank accounts in false names, Medicare cards, those type of things. The original offence was in relation to the um, adoption process that the people in Western Australia were adopting her.
3: It sounds incredible, I know. It was just like what happened in the Blue Mountains a few months earlier in New South Wales except more extreme. Samantha had so convinced her victims that they wanted her to become part of the family. She'd become very close to their daughter, Hope. They believed Samantha, who they knew as Emily, was a teenage gymnast
0: with a tragic past. We wanted to get a sense of how Samantha uses the online otherworld, where boundaries between fact and fiction are so blurred, to achieve her aims. Here's cybersecurity expert, Paul C. Dwyer, again.
4: Samantha's MO, if you like, her modus operandi, is no different from the tools and techniques that other sophisticated, organized criminals may use. Criminals go. Where people go. Where do people go these days? They go onto social networks. So that has become a, a, a feeding ground for lots of different kinds of criminality. And that can range from anything from scams to um, sextortion to selling fake goods. How easy is it to set up a fake profile? It's as easy as just registering and clicking and pretending you're a certain age, making up a name. We see this with the likes of uh, uh, Twitter. We see this on Facebook. We see this on on pretty much all of the social networks that are out there. But at the end of the day, they don't really take a duty of care, in my opinion, in relation to preventing fake profiles. And hence, it's very easy for somebody like Samantha to be able to create fake profiles.
0: When you look at the profiles, they can be confusing. They look real because they have lots of friends
4: and followers they'll use supporting profiles. So they'll create a profile called Mary, and Mary is supported by Susan, Tom, Dick, Harry, Paul, Fred, and these are all other fake profiles that they'll use. The techniques that she's employing are exactly the same as online cybercriminals and and the darkest kind of online cybercriminals, those who who would be involved in things like romance scams and those that that were involved in being uh, predators to children, those people who want to build up rapport build up trust, build up confidence and be able to get people to trust in them, ultimately their mark, and then they will hit their mark. And we have that challenge in life of existing in the real physical world where there's laws, social norms and consequences to when you do things wrong, but that doesn't exist in the cyber world.
0: But parts of the story Samantha concocted for Emily, the Russian gymnast in Perth, are quite dark. She claimed that while she was in France, her father had murdered her mother and her twin sister before taking his own life. Emily had discovered their bodies. Dead men tell no tales, right? But there's more.
3: Incredibly, Emily had said a US judge, an expert in adoptions, had been looking after her. In the end, her story begins to fall apart when the family in Perth want to enrol her in high school but the school authorities raised questions about her birth certificate.
0: That's how, in 2012, Samantha Azapardi, aged 24, posing as a 15-year-old, faces court in Perth.
1: When she came into the dock, a lot of people came into the court to view the proceedings. So there was obviously a lot of interested parties in her her appearance. I I don't know where they were all from, I never ever found out, but they looked like they were from other perhaps government agencies concerned in relation to her behaviour. I mean, the first thought process was, is Sam operating by herself? Why would she do this? What is she hoping to gain from this? The potential adoption was by a a family. Um, I think she'd told, Uh, the people that she was a Russian gymnast, she'd been in Russia. I mean, there was all this sort of thing. Was there someone else behind her?
0: The magistrate in Samantha's trial concluded that there wasn't anyone else behind her actions. Samantha was examined by a psychiatrist and at the end of the trial, the magistrate addressed Samantha. The psychiatrist believes, based on his testing, that it's really a bit of an act and you just say and do what you think will achieve the best outcome for you on the day you happen to be saying it. She gave Samantha a six-month jail sentence, suspended on condition of 12 months good behaviour. But she also told her that, at some point, you are going to have to come clean with what the issues are for you and deal with them honestly. Otherwise, you will continue to appear in courts. That was 2012. We're going to fast-forward all the way to 2022 for a few minutes. We've spent a lot of time looking for Samantha as a party, trying to unravel the truth. In episode two, you heard how Sharon met Samantha outside a courthouse in Sydney last year, but Samantha didn't want to talk.
3: She was very nervous. Her voice was shaking, her hands were shaking a bit. She also said that she was happy for it to go ahead without her her voice in the podcast. I asked.
0: Ten months later, Samantha has just been released from prison for yet another conviction, for pretending to be a child sex victim. And Sharon is looking through her Facebook. I
3: just wanted to tell you about something strange that happened today. I was scrolling through my Facebook notifications page. It's December 2022. And I came across a notification that was made about 14 hours ago by someone called Sam Az, who liked a comment that
0: I'd made... Samantha Azopardi has no shortage of online presence. It's just that it's never usually in her own name. Lindsay Coglin, Emily Shabiris, Aneka Decker,
3: Chloe Azopardi, Maya Maleka, Ali Sheenan, Eleanor, Eleanor Harris, Harper, R.S. Dakota Ali Johnson, Sheen, Azopardi, Maya Mleka, Maya Mleka, Sheenan, Aurora
2: Hepburn.
0: In fact, she's created hundreds of fake Facebook profiles in the lifespan of her career as a fraudster and an identity thief.
3: So we know Samantha spends a lot of time online, but it's never usually possible to conclusively find her.
0: And now here is someone called Sam Az popping up online and interacting with a journalist, Sharon, that she knows wants to speak with her.
3: I tried to check out this Sam As person But by the time I saw the notification, the account had been deleted and also the like of my comment had been deleted.
0: And just like that, she's gone again.
3: So I was unable to follow where it might have come from. Is it possible that Samantha is playing games with me? Is it possible that Samantha is trying to contact me? I don't really know, but I kind of have no idea how to go about contacting her if that's what she's trying to do.
0: If Samantha is reaching out, what is it that she is trying to say? A few days later, Sharon and I catch up on Zoom. There's been a further development. The Sam as Facebook profile is back. Of course, we can't be 100% sure that it really is Samantha. But looking at the page, we believe it is Samantha that is running this. It's the 23rd of December. It's two nights before Christmas in Sydney.
3: This is kind of, yeah, intervened in all of that. She had alerted me to the fact that she was posting by liking a few of my
0: posts She really signposted you to this Facebook page. She's effectively saying, Hey Sharon, come on over here and take a look at this. She was alerting me to the fact that
3: she was back on Facebook. There's no doubt about that by doing that. I think she alerted some of
0: her victims as well. This included one family who had tried to expose her. Samantha's response was to post one of their personal videos with some nasty comments it looks like a form of payback. It's one of the main reasons we believe this page really is run by Samantha as a party. Because, of course, in this world of fake Facebook profiles, anything is possible. I'm just trying to find it.
3: Uh, This page is really strange. It's like she's sending messages to a whole bunch of us. She says things like, Cinema,
0: radio, news... We've used Uh, an actor to voice the words on this Facebook page. Cinema,
3: radio, news are a school of inattention. People without seeing listen in without hearing. I've also tried to contact Samantha tonight on that page. Um, I've direct messaged her saying, I'd like to speak to you. Would you like to chat? She actually started to reply to me and she wrote, Are you okay? And then she deleted it. And then I wrote, I'm okay, how are you? And she didn't reply, although she looked like she was going to reply a number of times. And then I sent another message about talking to me and telling your story Are you interested in doing that? And she hasn't responded.
0: Samantha started posting on her new Facebook page most days. There were positivity messages and posts about being kind and not judging people.
3: Labelling and stereotyping mean that snap judgments are being made about people. Don't Don't judge a book by its cover, but at the end of the day, be gentle. Guys, let's be compassionate towards one another. This is real. Life is real.
0: What is Samantha trying to say with all of this? All we can do is try to interpret it. From what I've seen and read about Samantha and her background, she's never
3: really communicated with anyone as Samantha as a party. She normally assumes another identity to deal with people, so that's actually a real change. It's really significant. It costs nothing to smile, nod, make eye contact, or have a conversation with a homeless person to acknowledge their existence. Sometimes you don't need to open your wallet to make the world a better place, just your heart. There's a real irony in these posts. They're about empathy, kindness, and yes, real life. Yet over the years, her victims would say what happened to them was the exact opposite of these
0: values. But there's another aspect to the messages as well. Someone who appears to be struggling to cope with their difficult situation. Whether this is real or not, we just don't know.
1: The feeling when you have been stuck on a
3: deserted island for the last five weeks and you need to get back to shore as soon as possible but you can't because the lifeboat that was meant for you has been attacked by sharks. There's a post about a man who was cleared for wrongful arrest after being hounded by the media. And
4: from that moment on, the old man was in the spotlight, with the media fortuitously on hand when police searched his property.
3: Bit by bit, And then a video earth... which talks about the role of the media in relation to reporting of mental health issues.
4: The media is not shy about painting a very specific scenario when it comes to certain crimes. Mental illness leads to violence, and those who are violent have mental illness. And that's flat out wrong.
0: Is Samantha saying that she has been unfairly treated in the courts and the media? As 2023 began, she posted a video, which was originally posted by someone on TikTok and clearly referred to the year just past.
2: It's been a really tough year, a lot of silent battles, a lot of moments of uncertainty, wondering how will I overcome all of this. But as the year comes to a close,
3: I hope the one thing that you take with you is that you didn't quit. You chose yourself. I said it all picked yourself up again. You don't quit, you pick yourself up again. It's a message of resilience from Samantha, a will to keep going, a sign that there's far more complexity
0: to her than what's previously been on display. But for over a decade, her life has taken a familiar pattern. Claiming to be younger, claiming to be abused in some way, claiming to be somebody else. Can that pattern be broken or changed?
3: When you look at the timeline of Samantha, she spends more time inhabiting the characters she invents than she spends being herself. If we go back to where we left her in 2013, she's 24 and has travelled back across the country
0: to the city of Melbourne. She's looking for housing and calling herself Ellie Sheehan. In a story in life where nothing should surprise us, She's wearing a school uniform and she says she's 16. And of course, she's been sex trafficked, or so she says. Then she becomes Zoe Wilson
3: and slips across the border to a youth refuge in New South Wales, telling welfare workers she's lived in Germany, Russia, Mexico and Cairo. The other thing Samantha was doing in the summer of 2013 was applying for a passport in the name of Georgia McAuliffe and fraudulently organising a credit card for her trip to Ireland in the
0: same name. We tend to think of passports and driving licences as infallible documents, but they're not really. And once you get one, they are very powerful. Here's Paul Seedwire again.
4: These days, that's quite straightforward for somebody to do. I believe Samantha probably has those skills herself in relation to forgery, understanding how where the, where the loopholes are within the, the bureaucracy system, within Australia and so on, because that's a skill set and a confidence level of doing those things. Nobody needs to be a technical genius or a master forger, and um, it's so easy to get fake documents all the way up to passports.
0: And believe it or not, the process might start with something completely innocuous, like a dog license
4: they'll use that then maybe to obtain another piece of if you like government type paperwork um, and they're upselling their way along with the overall target of getting something that's irrefutable like a passport or a driving license without giving people the instructions on how to do this it's pretty straightforward hop from one piece to the next piece to the next piece and once you can convince somebody in authority to hand you over something and that's often done with the human confidence trickter techniques to convince them say, well I've just lost that document or here it is and it was in the washing machine whatever it happens to be and get something reissued out to that person change a photograph on it or change a dress on it they're in the game they have it they've won
0: and so in September of 2013 Samantha Azapardi travelling as Georgia McAuliffe was on her way to becoming Dublin's GPO girl
4: it's that brazenness and, and uh, the cojones to do that kind of stuff as well is what gets Samantha through on a day to day basis
0: In the next episode of Finding Samantha Samantha as a party becomes a Scandinavian princess and takes herself to another continent
2: She said she was Danish that she and her mother had lived a nomadic life they'd been travelling across Canada She became part of the
0: family they really liked her and she seemed to really like them And another person called Samantha as a party appears online Things are going to get very strange
4: your guest needs to do some simple fact-checking
0: before throwing allegations around. Finding Samantha is written, recorded and produced by Sharon Davis in Australia and Tim Desmond and me, Nicolene Greer, in Ireland. Executive producer, Liam O'Brien. Soundtrack composed by Paddy O'Flynn. Sound engineer is Damien Chanel. If you have any information or tips on this story, email us documentaries at rte.ie For further information on the series visit rte.ie forward slash finding samantha
3: Join us again for episode 4 Catch me if you can
2: Always okay, always
0: fine, always on show The show must go on It will never stop The show must not go on But I know it will I give up I give up giving up I am lost I don't need to be saved, I need to be found.